right, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Book Dragons Reading Club. My name is Brianna Lehman and I am your host. Today I have with me Annika Lehman, my beautiful sister-in-law, Angela Keller, my wonderful friend, and Jordi Washburn, another wonderful friend and co-worker. And we are going to be discussing Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. And this was her debut novel, um, which was really cool. So um, the little synopsis is after so Tova Sullivan's husband died, she began working the night shift at the Soul Bay Aquarium, mopping floors and tidying up. Keeping busy has always helped her cope, which she's been doing since her 18-year-old son, Eric, mysteriously vanished on a boat in the Puget Sound over 30 years ago. As she works, Tova becomes acquainted with curmudgeonly Mar Mar Marcellus, a giant Pacific op octopus living at the aquarium. Marcellus knows more than anyone can imagine, but wouldn't dream of lifting one of his eight tentacles for his human captors until he forms an unlikely friendship with Tova. Ever the detective, Marcellus deduces what happened the night Tova's son disappeared. As his affection for Tova grows, Marcellus must use every trick his old invertebrate body can muster to unearth the truth for her before it's too late. Um... So yeah, that's the synopsis of the book. It's got great characters. It's it follows three characters: uh, Cameron, Tova, and Marcellus. And Marcellus, yes, he is an octopus, and yes, he does talk to you, which is awesome. So, um, as always, this is going to be riddled with spoilers. So if you haven't read this book, this might not be a good podcast for you. You might want to stop right here, go back, read the book, and then come back and listen. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into it. So, the first question today is, the first character we meet is Marcellus. He is a great Pacific octopus that is nearing the end of his life, and he is in captivity at an aquarium in Seoul Bay, uh, Washington. So, what were your initial thoughts of Marcellus as a character, and how do you think Marcellus helps reveal key insights into Tova's character? Um, I thought that Marcellus was captivating. So I also, I listened to the book and I didn't, I didn't read it. And so I had, um, I think like the perspective of a narrator and, um, for me who narrated Marcellus's character was just so perfect. I don't know if I would have been reading it, if I would have assigned him that voice in my head, but I hope I would have, cause it was so, um, like it was incredibly, you know, he was like very posh and fancy and uppity. And I think just as you get to know Marcellus as a character, that voice um, was perfect for him. And so I thought it was just really fun to hear that. And then to have, you know, an octopus be a character in a book is really cool. Um, and as far as how, you know, he helped reveal insights to Tova, I think that it's like through Marcellus that you first get a perspective of who Tova really is um, and how she navigates her life, which is like, she's sad and she's still caught in a lot of grief um, and she's a busybody, And that's kind of like how her friends know her. And they know that she still has this job that they think is silly. Um, but it's like Marcellus really sees her as this person who's still navigating um, a lot of grief. And then her interactions with him you get to see that she's also just like an incredibly kind and patient um, and caring person. And you see that through how she cares for him and how honestly she cares for the whole um, aquarium. 
Yeah, I definitely, I really appreciated the voice narrator because I also listened to it. And he just did such a good job acting Marcellus's voice. Um, like you said, Jordy, I, I don't know if I ever would have, if, if my own mental narration would have been as good. And now that I've heard it, I think if I go back and I read it, my mental narration will be that same as the voice actor and it just it just elevated the whole story from him yeah like he couldn't be anything else now if I went back and read it that's like obviously his voice it was such a perfect match for him I'm the same way I also listened to it this is actually one of the few (laughs) books that I've listened to and totally agree the voice actor did such a great job and just all the emotion he put into it, like day 395 of my captivity, you know? And it just, he did such a great job. I think he really just embodied like the character so well. I also listened to it. So we all listened to it. <laughs> um, and I think you're absolutely right, Jordy. I think that he just brought out I think he really saw Tova for who she was, and I think that her surroundings were, meaning, um, like, her her people didn't necessarily see her for who she was, because she really isolated herself after she had gone through so much grief, and she obviously is still going through a lot when we meet her, but I think that Marcellus did such a great job of just kind of, kind of having us meet her where she was at by just being so candid about who she was. Yeah, I really feel like um, Tova was so closed off. I mean, for for a little bit more background, Tova is, what, like in her 70s at this point? And so, um, like, Tova, her whole life, she's just been a little bit more closed off. She doesn't talk about things. And her friends kind of take that cue from her where they don't bring up Eric they don't really bring up will her husband they don't really bring up any of this stuff they're it's like they're walking on eggshells around her to try and preserve her feelings because they i think they do realize that she still is not doing well with it she's she's i at the end of the book uh when when cameron asks her like how do you how do you cope how do you move on how do you get over it and she's like you'd never get over it you move on but i don't really see tova ever moving on until this book and until later in this book i think she just was going through her day-to-day motions and i think marcellus really gave us a good view into that and and he let us see that softer side that more vulnerable side because she only allowed herself to be vulnerable with some but with a character that could not talk back and could not interact with her in a way that would bring all of these emotions out to the front i really liked uh, how later on in the book Marcellus notices that Tova has these holes in her heart and he's like I'm going to fill them and then just started the whole process of stealing Cameron's driver's license and the class ring and I, I think Marcellus is the most likable character in the book personally I think he's really cute <laughs> but I felt so bad for him when he was like I'm probably going to die here and I'm like oh Marcellus no yeah i um yeah i think marcellus is probably my favorite i mean marcellus is the reason i even decided to read the book in the first place uh because 
after that synopsis, I was just like, oh my goodness, there's an octopus and he talks to you. Heck yeah, I'm reading this. Like, why wouldn't I read it? And he's he's actually what drew me in. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what I was expecting going into it, but it was not this. And I was kind of pleasantly surprised. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about what everybody's expectation was going into the book and how you feel like they were either met or exceeded or not met. Like what, what was everybody's expectations going in just based off of the synopsis or based off of what I told you? Cause I know I told a couple of you like a little bit about the book. So what were your guys's impressions on how it would be and how did the book, how was the book different and how was the book the same as those expectations? I don't think I had a lot of expectations. I know that you and I had talked about it, you know, long before this about how I think you had compared it to the book Anxious People. Um, And I think it definitely read kind of like that, like this story that unfolds for all of the characters, but it's told from each of their perspectives, right? Like everything is happening at the same time, but you're hearing it from Cameron and Tova and Marcellus. and I I didn't really know, like, the plot or what was really going to happen, but it was a pleasant surprise and, like, a really um, delightful book for me to listen to. I feel like I kind of agree with you, Jordy. I don't think I really had huge expectations, not in necessarily a bad way, but I just, I wasn't really sure what kind of book it was going to be. I know, Brianna, you had told me that, it was very just like it's a story very like mundane routine like there are heavy themes but it's it's just a really sweet realistic in a way story um Mm -hmm. and I think that it was really I thought it was just really really sweet I thought that um I really loved how it just talked about people who were going through hard things and there was growth and there was grief, but they began to connect deeper with their people. And I just really love um, watching people in my own life experience that. And so it was just really, really um, sweet to take a seat and like watch these fictional characters just grow and then obviously there's these crazy connections but it was just I wouldn't say lighthearted. I don't know if that's the right term but it just felt very like content I think it was just like a content book and I just really enjoyed it yeah for sure I mean um I definitely view like this book as a bit of a palate cleanser for me just because I'm so much more into fantasy and I mean this whole this entire podcast so far has been steeped in like deep fantasy lots of political intrigue and so this this felt like a very good palate cleanser for me just because like you said Angela it was just like um like almost mundane day to day but you're getting to see these characters grow and achieve like closure and a bit of found family and it was just um like it it was just a very like there was a lot of comedic relief a little bit of that lighthearted, but not too lighthearted yeah so i i i really appreciated it because um you know you need a palate cleanser every now and then you can't be doing heavy heavy fantasy all the time 
you say that and yet <laughs> and yet and yet I do it I know <laughs> Well, I think that's also why I think I didn't like this book as much as most people do, because I pretty much primarily will read just fantasy or science fiction. And so going into this, you know, I didn't read the synopsis. And honestly, I think if I didn't listen to it, I would not have been able to finish the book. I thought it was kind of boring. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. the repetitive, you know, actions and just... Cameron drove me nuts. I couldn't stand him as a character. Even towards the end of the book, I was like, you're still annoying, but whatever. <laughs> like, you've had some growth. Good for you, I guess. But <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I was expecting more of an unrealistic perspective of, like, maybe Tova actually talking to Marcellus and him actually talking back, not just his thoughts and just staring at her and Tova thinking, am I crazy for talking to an octopus, you know? <laughs> so that's just my perspective. I can see why other people really enjoy it. Uh, it just wasn't really my personal cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I could read this type of book all the time. Like, I don't think this would be my go-to genre. Like you said, Annika, my go-to is usually fantasy sci-fi a little bit of romance thrown in um but i i do like it for that palate cleanser um vibe that it gives agreed yeah and it's definitely good to read stuff that you don't normally so i Mm -hmm. like you know branching out in my genres a little bit but yeah just wasn't quite what i expected Mm mm-hmm So going more into Tova, when we meet Tova, she is this feisty little, in her 70s, little um, older lady. She's fiercely independent, and she is still very much grieving not knowing what happened to her son, Eric, even after 30 years. Um, So how does her injury, when she falls off the stool, how does her injury um, affect her independence? And how does her continued grief for her son affect her relationship with Cameron early on? So with her injury, Tova can't work, clearly. Or at least was told she shouldn't. And, you know, she's a little bit rebellious in that aspect. But her working gave her this sense of responsibility and, like, pride in her accomplishments and just helped her get through her day-to-day. But now that she can't do that anymore, she has to kind of think, well, what can I do now? And what's my future going to look like? And so I kind of think that this disruption to her routine forces her to face her future and make decisions on what that's going to look like. And we know, having listened to it, read it, that she settles on, you know, living in a retirement home and heart's not completely in it, but she doesn't want to be a burden on people. And so her continued grief, I think... Tova's relationship with Cameron early on reminds her so much of her son, which, you know, spoilers, because he's her grandson. I don't know why I didn't get that when I was listening to it. I was like, oh, he's totally, he's totally Eric. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that. But I like her playful banter and his charisma. And I think Tova being around Cameron makes her dream of what Eric would be like all grown up. And so that gives her some clarity and helps to clear some grief. Yeah, I think um, when I first listened, the very first time, I was just really caught up in the story. So the second time through really helped me, like, kind of see more of their relationship as it started. And um, 
don't know. I feel like I feel like when she first had her injury, it was right after one of her friends had decided that she was going to be moving in with her daughter, and so she was going to be moving away from Soul Soul Bay, and um, and I think the injury just forced her to see like, oh my goodness, I have nobody, or at least in her own mind, I have nobody, like. Eric is gone. Eric is dead. And so is my husband, Will. And I don't have anybody who can take care of me because in her mind, I think family is the only one who's allowed to take care of you when you get old. And she just didn't see that she had family around her. It just wasn't blood relations. Um, And then as she started to get to know Cameron, like you said, Annika, she really started seeing... um, like a lot of Eric and I think it I think it brought that a little bit more of a sharpness to the grief that she was still experiencing like a little bit more of that bite just because um like she was seeing like oh my goodness what would Eric have been like if he was 30 like what 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 uh, what have I missed out on you know, and like she's seen that a lot with all of her other relationships, but I think Cameron really brought it to the forefront just because he did remind her so much of Eric. Um, and it, I think it, like it, it, it was, it was very bittersweet and sad, like listening to it, um, both times around, just because you were hearing Tova yearn and and, and dream of what could have been, and I think that that is just so sad. Like as as a mom, I don't think I can imagine, like living life outliving my child and being like oh my goodness what would he have been like when he was 30 and not getting to know that I agree with you um Annika I really feel like her aquarium job Tova's aquarium job really gave her purpose um and once that sort of independence was just taken away so fast I think that um I think you said this too, Brianna, like she was just so suddenly faced by everything else that was happening in her life that either she hadn't worked through yet or she hadn't quite processed um, the idea of that she's 70 and this didn't seem like when she fell, it didn't feel like this was going to be a serious injury and then she wakes up and she needs medical attention. Um, And I think that sort of shocked her in a way into okay I need to think realistic about my health and my future and things like that um yeah I think that her continued grief for her son I think it almost kind of when she meets Cameron I think she almost kind of assumes the role of grandma without even realizing it um kind of just felt so organic their relationship at the beginning um I think she just she is who she is she's feisty she's a little old lady and she wants things to be done correctly and she's gonna tell him but also she cares so deeply and I think that like Marcellus was saying um with the holes in her heart I think Cameron started to fill them um temporarily before we find out that he is indeed said grandson. Um, and so I thought it was just interesting how organic everything unfolded between them. And I really liked that. Yeah. 
Uh, Jordy, did you have anything you wanted to share on this? No, I mean, I would just echo most things that have been said. Um, you know, I think that the aquarium job gave her purpose, but I also think it gave her distraction, right? Like when you keep yourself so busy that you don't have to sit and think about all the things you might not want to. Um, and then her injury really made her take stock of, of where she was and what she was, um, you know, faced with in the upcoming years being older and having to be home alone. And, um, you know, there was like the time where she fell, I think in her kitchen and she had to like navigate getting up by herself. And that was really difficult. And so when she didn't just like have her independence and all the things to keep her busy, it was hard for her. It was like a huge setback and she had to really um, contemplate what she was going to do next. Yeah. And like, I've, I've been there before in, in hard times during my life that like, like you said, you just keep yourself so busy that like, you don't have time to think about what's actually going on. It's, it's like that defense mechanism. And she's been living in that defense mechanism for 30 years at this point. I feel like you don't even have time to feel either because you're so busy. It's just, I need to do my job. It's not, I need to work through this grief and all of this pain and not just her son, but her husband as well. Um, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and I mean, I, I really, I would really argue that Tova, like Tova said, like you don't ever get over it. You move past it. I would argue that she hadn't even started the process of moving past it until she got closure with finding out that Cameron was her grandson at the end of the book. Like she, she hadn't even started that process until she, until she knew everything. And like, I get it. But at the same time, at that point, it had been 30 years of living this way. Like it must've been so exhausting for her to just constantly be so busy, just be making herself so busy that you can't feel and you can't think about it um and i know it's a it's a common defense mechanism but it's it just had to have been so exhausting for her and for will as well so moving on to cameron then when we meet cameron we quickly learn that he was abandoned by his mother at the age of nine and that he recently lost his job which turns out to be one in a very long string of lost jobs um in the first two chapters we have with Cameron, his girlfriend breaks up with him and kicks him out of their apartment. He And he reflects on the difference between his life and the friends that he grew up with in high school um, who are about to have their first baby and they have a nice house and they both have very stable jobs. Um, whereas Cameron just lost a job. He just got kicked out by his girlfriend. His band is about to break up and he has no like real foreseeable future that he can figure out. And so we really see that Cameron, he's locked in a cycle of blaming everybody but himself for his circumstances. And we see that he's really held captive by his childhood and by his mother being a, by his mother being a drug addict and abandoning him with his aunt and not knowing who his father is. Um, so how do we see Cameron's character growth through meeting and developing relationships with Avery, Ethan, and Tova? And how does his eventual discovery of his connection with Tova create a path forward for him? So I think that Avery, Ethan, and Tova, I think they all sort of show him 
different like perspectives on life that because he again he he's very much playing the woe is me card like everything sucks and it's not my fault and I can't do anything about it and he's telling himself that over and over and he's just stuck um and that's not good I don't condone that but um I think that it was really cool to see him once he gets to Sola Bay I think it it was really cool to see him interact with people who don't know that he he is kind of a failure, you know? Like he just he's failed at his jobs, he's failing at relationships whether it's with like romantic or familial. Like he, he's just not doing too hot in any of those areas and comparing him to his friends, I believe Elizabeth and is it Brad? Brad. 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 Um he's around 30 and they're around 30 and they have sort of the like cookie cutter like life of like what you're typically doing at 30 or what people are what society expects people to be doing around 30 and he is nowhere near that um and I think that that's hard for him whether he uh, admits it or not um but Avery specifically I think so she's very successful she was a teen mom she is a very hard worker she owns her own store i think that she really showed ethan that like despite being dealt a crappy hand quote unquote like you you still have the free will to make what you want of your life and if you work hard like you will reap that harvest you know so I think she really showed him that you don't just because you're having a hard time or something hard happened in your life that doesn't mean you can't be successful. Um it's completely doable. With Ethan, I really loved Ethan. I just want to take a little side note from the question. I loved him so much. <laughs> I thought he was, he was just fun. yeah, he just kept things really lighthearted. I think the audiobook narrator did a great job with his accent and ever just embodying embodying who he is. I just really loved he was just like a drop of sunshine in what was very much a sad and heavy book, and I just loved that about him. Um, he was so positive. I thought that what he showed Cameron was that well, I think who Ethan is is he just cares so deeply about the people who surround him, regardless of the extent of their relationship. I think him working at the grocery store, obviously small town, like you get to know people and he like remembers who these people are, what they're going through, and he's intentional about that. And I think um, I know that Cameron was very, very self-centered and I think Ethan showed him that that's dumb and don't do that um so i think he was yeah. a really good a really big light in cameron's life at that time i think he came in just exactly when he needed him he was so kind to him right off the bat didn't judge him for anything was just friendly immediately and cameron isn't like that um with Tova, 
I kind of said this before, but I just thought that their relationship was so organic, and I think she really took on the role of grandma so fast without even realizing it. Um, with like, you have to make sure you're doing the um liners for the trash bin or the trash bin correctly. Like, you need to make sure you're doing this right, and they. She just pushed him to be better, I think, especially in the realm of his career at the aquarium or his job at the career his job at the aquarium um and yeah i just think that their um relationship fell into something so easy and comfortable and i really loved that for them yeah um going back to like ethan i think I think the difference between Cameron when we meet him in California and Cameron in Seoul Bay is that Cameron didn't have his enablers in Seoul Bay, right? Because, like, Aunt Jean, yeah, she gave him a loan so that he could get through um, <clears throat> and get a camper and, and figure things out, but she she wasn't there for him to fall back on. She was a phone call away, but she wasn't there, and neither was Brad or... Um, or his other friend, um, <clears throat> Elizabeth, sorry, I could not remember her name. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, like, we, I think he had been so used to just falling back on his go-to people back in, in California that when he was up in Seoul Bay, it kind of clicked, like, oh my goodness, I, I, I have to do things by myself. And I think it started to really help him try and push to be better, because I think he was, at that point, I think he was just so sick of being a failure in his own eyes. And yeah, he was up there to try and extort his, uh, who he thought was his father for money. Um, which not sure I condone that, but you know, whatever it's a book. Um, but I think, I think soul Bay was his first true attempt at going solo in his life. And so I think he really, and like you said, Angela, like, Ethan was showing him like, I'm not going to give you handouts. Like, yeah, I'll help you out a little bit, but I'm not going to give you a handout, especially like um, when he was, when he was uh, looking for a job and he wanted to become the day manager at the shop mart. And Ethan is like, I mean, if you really want to be a manager, I'll show you the ropes, but I need somebody who's qualified right now. Like I can't take the time to train you right now. I need somebody who can do the job without me needing to train the first. And Cameron got super offended by that. But if you think about it, that's that's realistic. That's what everyday life is going to be. And so Cameron being so stuck and like, well, you should just give it to me. We're friends. Like Ethan was just like, no, no, that's not that's not how life works. Sorry, dude. Like, I'm sorry you're upset about it. But this is my job. This is my business. This is my livelihood. I can't just give a handout to a friend because I want to. Snaps for Ethan. Yeah, snaps for Ethan. He's a real one. <laughs> I completely agree with you, Angela, about, you know, like being dealt a crappy hand and having the opportunity to make the best of those circumstances because Cameron consistently considered himself a victim of circumstance, you know, taking no responsibility. So I really appreciated how each of these different characters in, you know, various different ways hold him accountable to his actions. Uh, Tova, especially when... He found out that uh, Simon wasn't his real father and he's trying to quiet quit. And she's like, well, you're better than that. And, and like you said, Brianna, like 
he doesn't have his enablers anymore so now he's around other people who make him better and that was just really nice to see that character growth I think it's so funny I think I didn't dislike Cameron as much as most people at the beginning of the book um maybe I'm just a sucker but like I did feel bad for Cameron. I mean, I know he probably should have done more for himself. Um, and he was very much, woe is me. Um, but I think he was like surrounded by a bunch of people who were, were probably tired of supporting him, but were also, um, I think like pretty hurtful. I think they were like perpetuated also for him that he was a failure and couldn't make good choices. And I think when he left and went to Seoul Bay, he didn't have his enablers, but he also didn't have the people who like dogged on him all the time and like knew his past and knew his history. And so he had people hold him accountable to like push him and make him better without just like being like, yeah, you're right. It's Cameron. You're worthless. This is what you always do. This is who you are. It was like, you don't have to be that person. You can be this person. You should do these things. And so it was just, I think like the perspective of people and Cameron really shifted when he left. Um, and I liked seeing that he didn't have to know Tova was his grandma to like start making changes. That wasn't really like a catalyst for him. Like he didn't know that till the end, but he was already coming back. He already wanted to do things better um, just from being around Avery and Ethan and Tova, just their relationships and their support were enough for him to kind of like turn a corner and start doing better. Um, and then it felt like learning Tova was his grandma was just like, you know, extra special. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you, you really hit the nail on the head there with like, um, like they were not just enabling him, but they were also allowing it to continue because that's what they expected. They had yeah. very low expectations. Yeah. Of him, and so he never was able to rise to a challenge because of that. Yeah. And even not like even with the mindset too, I think they fueled the mindset of you are worthless, like you are a failure because they were tired of taking care of him because it had been what like twenty something years of this mindset. Well, maybe not, but it had been a long time of I am a victim, woe is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I get like. Like I, I did feel for him when I, when I heard about like his mom and how, how she was a drug addict, drug addict, and she just was like, okay, pack up your stuff, you're gonna stay with your aunt Jean for, for a weekend, and then she never came back. Like that, woof, that is heart wrenching and heartbreaking, and it, it, especially when he's nine, like that's a very formative time, in people's lives, and so I did feel very bad for him, but I, I think what really. I think the narrator did a very good job um, narrating his voice because I honestly, I really hate it when people whine. Like it's a very big pet peeve of mine and she made him very whiny and I, I, or he, he, I can't remember who was narrating for Cameron, but I, I just couldn't handle his voice. It, I think that that was one of the bigger things about his character was and and he even said it himself, like, he hated how his voice came off so whiny. And I'm just like, yeah, me too. I don't like it either, bud. <laughs> what are you going to do to change that? Same, so I... man. <laughs> <laughs> Same, man. <laughs> um, especially because, like, I mean, I'm 27. Annika, you're 
25, right? Right? Am I right? Is my mic not working? Okay, it is. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> I'm correct. Angela, you're 25. Jordy, you're 30. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so like we're all right around the age or just a little bit younger than Cameron was. And I don't know, like, I, I think another part of my annoyance is that I've got a couple friends who are kind of a little bit like in the stage where Cameron was at the beginning of the book. And I, I think I'm bringing my own frustrations from that in mm. to the book as well, because I'm like thinking about like I'm I, I think I'm comparing the friends that I'm frustrated with to Cameron and just that like that just brings all of the frustrations and it just dumps them straight on Cameron's shoulders. So poor Cameron. I'm probably being a little too dumpy on him, but <laughs> you nail right on the head. That's exactly how I feel. Cause I know some people who are like that too. And I can't stand it. I'm like, don't come to me for advice if you're not going to listen to it. You know, you're, and then you're not going to take responsibility for your actions. It's like, you can make better choices. You, you have that ability, but you decide not to. I think that's what bothered me the most about Cameron. He's just like, well, it was this thing and that's why I don't have this anymore or whatever. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Totally agree with you, Brianna. Yeah. Going on to Avery, cause Avery, I think, I think a big part in in Cameron starting to realize like his own shortcomings and his and start like he had already decided to try and do better when he met Avery but Avery I feel like that relationship really pushed him so how does Avery's resilience through being a teen mom and now a small business owner shine a light on Cameron's own shortcomings and how do you think their opposite outlooks on life and their circumstances affected Cameron's character development throughout the book. I mean, I think we like kind of chatted about this, but you know, two people dealt really difficult hands um, and then navigated them very differently. You know, Avery seemed just like much more settled in the hand she was given. It was kind of just like matter of fact, like, yep, this is what happened. This is my life, but I'm going to like take charge of it and I'm going to make changes and I'm still going to make my life what I want it to be, even though I was dealt this difficult hand, um, where Cameron seemed very settled in like letting life happen to him rather than taking things into his own hands and making his own changes. And so I think seeing Avery, um, and seeing somebody with the grit to persevere and like take matters into their own hands and change their difficult life um, was really inspiring to Cameron. And, you know, she was kind to him and, you know, encouraging to him. And so I think that mattered too, like having somebody so close to him who was like, yeah, I did this. I changed my life. I had to work really hard. I had to make the best of my circumstances um, had a huge impact on Cameron. I think it also helped, <clears throat> this is, I think this is my own like little personal opinion, but I think it really helped that he was attracted to her and wanted to impress her. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like he, with, with like his friends and with Ethan and Tova and, and his friends back in, in California, he almost would like automatically just give excuses where with Avery he was just like oh wow yeah I I do that same thing too like this is my thought process on life too and it's because he's totally trying to impress her 
Yeah. Um, and so he doesn't, he like, it's almost like that forced mind shifting where he's like forcing himself to, to shift his mindset on things because he wants to be around this person that he finds attractive. And I think through forcing himself to see it from her perspective and to see a different mindset, I think it really helped to actually start shifting his own along with his interactions with Ethan and Tova. But I think, I think Avery's, uh, Cameron and Avery's relationship was really pivotal in his character development. I think you guys pretty much covered it, uh, especially with him wanting to, you know, impress her because, you know, she's hot, right? And (laughs) I think it was definitely a turning point for Cameron that realizing he can do better, especially because of the things that happened to him or despite them. You know, he was he wasn't a team mom, but he saw what Avery went through and how she just grabbed a hold of life by the reins and was like, well, I'm still going to make a life for myself. And I think he really respected that and was like, you know what, you're on another level than me, but I'm going to meet you at that level instead of dragging down with me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I feel like. I. I think he initially went into like talking with her thinking, oh, I'll just use like my old tricks and see if I can impress her. But I think so quickly he found out he wasn't able to do that because of where she was and what she had done in order to get to where she was in terms of success. And I think that it was just really cool to see that she made him want to be better. And I just loved that about their relationship right off the bat. Yeah, really, it really um, speaks to like the people that you surround yourself with are the are what's going to help you be better at the end of the day. Like if you surround yourself with people who don't care about personal growth, then you're going to end up not caring about personal growth. Whereas if you surround yourself with people who are always trying to learn and always trying to better themselves, you're going to end up being the same way. Um, so moving on to tova discovering that eric was seeing a girl so this this information was just kind of like popped onto her by a guy that had been in high school with eric um after he had had three martinis at a lunch that they were at together um so how does tova's discovery that eric was seeing a girl before he went missing affect her outlook on her grief um do you think she experienced a setback in her grieving process with this new knowledge, or do you think she had buried her grieving process in her work and her friends? I'm going to say both. I think knowing that new information brought back a bunch of, well, what if this and what if that, that really ravaged her emotional state and she had to come to terms with that new information. Um, Staying busy at work or busy with her friends kept her life quiet and, as Tova would say, no nonsense. But after her injury, she had to take a step back from work, and because of that, she could no longer keep all of her thoughts at bay. And we know that eventually she's like, I had to take a nap because I was just so emotionally exhausted, and I haven't had to do that in, like, 30 years. Um, let me get my thoughts together real quick. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so because Tova used action to keep her thoughts at bay... Um, and she couldn't work, she was confronted with the fact that she can't do anything except think about Eric 
and this mystery girl and mull over the possibilities of how her life could have been so different. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I mean, I'm still a big proponent of, I don't really think Tova had really, really started going through the grieving process. And so this just like, it was like ripping a scab off of off of a off of a cut that has started to scab over and it just like ripped that scab off and it was like fresh bleeding all over again. Well, and I think she was never really starting the grieving process because she was still so set in that it wasn't answered, right? Like she was still searching for what happened and why it happened and was there a reason and was there a cause and right and she like didn't, you know, she knew it wasn't a suicide attempt or and so then I think hearing like this piece of information was like, oh my gosh, had I just known that maybe I could have found out more answers 30 years ago, but because I didn't know that I still don't know what I know now, or maybe I can find out more information now. And it just kind of sent her spinning even more down this path that she was already on of like, I have to find answers and I have to have closure, um, which ultimately it kind of led to, but I don't think in the way she probably thought. Um but I think it just aided this this mindset she was in of like, it's not closed. There's no answers. I need to know more. Yeah, for sure. Like, she, I totally agree. I don't think she had ever really started her grieving process. And then she lost Will to cancer. And so she just was kind of just like like everybody's been saying, just keeping herself so busy that she didn't have time to even start trying to process and because she was so convinced that it wasn't suicide, and it turns out it wasn't, um, it had been just some terrible accident. <clears throat> but yeah, I just, I don't think she had started grieving. Um, and so this, I think, honestly, I don't think it was really a setback in her grieving. I think it, yeah, because like, it can't be a setback if she had already been processing her grief and working through it but she hadn't been and so this was like a shove in a direction that she needed to go in um which I mean we all know that Marcellus is really the true person the the true like hero of the story he's the one who was able to figure everything out just because he had he had been at the bottom of the ocean where Eric was and he was so good at seeing that pattern recognition of um like who was genetically related and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so he just really pushed to get Tova her answers. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, Brianna. I think that um, I really don't think that she had started to work through her grief. I think that she just grieved and then said, Oh, I can't think about this anymore and continued on with her life. Um, and I think because this new bit of information was brought up, I think it forced her to start going through these thoughts and these feelings that she had stuffed down so deeply beforehand. And it just, I think the author did a really great job of pull, putting all the pieces together, like when they needed to be. Like, I think that she finally had people in her life that were going to help her go through that whereas before 
like we were saying earlier is these people just kind of walked on eggshells around her and didn't really bring up her son or her husband and just like that is who she is and we just don't dive deep so that is how I feel yeah I guess when I hear um buried her grieving process in her work and friends I imagine more she used them as a distraction so maybe I had just a bit of a misunderstanding with how the question was laid out yeah I think I think the way I'd been I think what I had been trying to say was do you think she had a setback in her grieving process or do you think she hadn't even started grieving at all because she was burying it under distractions which I think we all kind of are in agreement on that yeah that's totally my coping mechanism too i'm like don't feel anything no feels just push it down just distract yourself it's very unhealthy i recommend therapy tova (laughs) i recommend therapy (laughs) it's okay to feel learning that at 25 (laughs) (laughs) big oof (laughs) yeah um i mean i i'm totally the same way like um when Soren was in the hospital for so long, I literally just buried myself in distraction and books. And I didn't really allow myself to even start processing that until everything was done. So like it, I I get it. It's not healthy, but I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Tova. Yeah. I feel for you, Tova. Um, so going back to Cameron then, so the whole reason he was in Soul Bay, right, is that um, he was, he thinks he found out who his biological father is. And he, who he thought was his biological father, Simon Brink, is this huge real estate developer. So he's pretty wealthy. And so he's, he's realizing like, oh my goodness, um, I can come up here and be like, you're my father and extort him for money right so that that was his whole plan and that's the only reason why he came to soul bay um because i mean cameron and tova both just kind of have a tendency to run from their problems instead of facing them um and so like cameron was running from his problems of losing his job and not having a place to live because katie kicked him out and and broke up with him and um and so Cameron was running up to Soul Bay to try and meet Simon Brink. And he doesn't get to meet Simon Brink until nearly the end of the book. Like it's it's like only a few chapters from the end where he finally meets Simon Brink and gets a little bit of answers. Um, so how do you think Cameron's meeting with Simon Brink continued to push his character development? Because I think I think his meeting with Simon Brink is what pushed him almost over the edge, over that hump of like finally developing to where he needed to go i feel like up until his meeting with simon brink like i think cameron is hesitant to put down roots in sola bay but i think he was despite like the mentality of i'm this is just what i'm here for i'm here for simon brinks and i'm here to make the money to pay back aunt jean and that's it and despite that intention i think he started to make a life for himself um and cultivate relationships that were really healthy um and i think that sorry i'm gathering my thoughts i feel like you're good 
Simon Brink. I really just feel like Cameron was expecting it. I know he was expecting it to go that way in his head where he walks and it's his dad and then he got scared for what the interaction was actually going to be like. Um, I think it just sort of kind of was like a tripwire and he just landed, he kind of exploded, felt all these emotions, didn't really know how to process them. And so he fell back on the habits that he's built over the past however many years of I am worthless, this sucks, I this and that and that. And he just sort of had a little bit of a breakdown. Um yeah, and he started running again. He was he was he was gonna start running right back to California where exactly. it was comfortable where, where he felt safe. Yes. And I think that it was really cool to see like how Tova responded where she didn't give is it Terry? Terry the note yeah. about his how he's quitting. She didn't do that. Um and him and Ethan had a falling out, but it was just a fight. It wasn't a I'm done with you. Um and then Avery was mad, but you could even see her interaction with Tova there that she still was reaching out to him anyways. Um I think it was really a realization for him that he did have great people in that area and I think he just needed to blow off some steam first. Um that is yeah, how I feel. Like, yeah, because like at the beginning of the book, we I mean, he literally just ran from his problems. He'd never even thought twice about it. He just he just ran. Whereas at the end, we really saw that character development. I think we were I think Jordy was talking about this a little earlier where um, we see that development where he was already on his way back on his own. He didn't even have contact with with the people back in Seoul Bay because his phone got um, fancy roadkill, basically, or expensive roadkill, I think he calls it, where where he um, left it on the hood of his car and it got crushed. And so he didn't have anybody like calling him and telling him, no, come back, do this the right way. He he had had that small interaction with Tova and Ethan before he left, but um, but like it had been his own decision, his own character growth really showed through there, where he was just like, no, I I need to go do this the right way. Annika or Jordy, do you have anything on this one? Oh yeah, I would just agree. I feel like the meeting with Simon was kind of just like a crossroads for Cameron. It was an opportunity to decide if he was going to be kind of who he always was was he gonna run was he gonna get angry was he gonna blame everybody else or was he gonna step up and take charge of his own life and he kind of did a little bit of both but in the end um you know he processed better and he was you know gonna step up and make the changes and be the person that he really wanted to be yeah I think that um I'm really glad. I mean, obviously, um, Simon was not his father, but like the whole book we were thinking, oh my goodness, he's his father. Um, up until that point, I, I'm honestly, I'm really happy with the choice to make it to where Simon was just a friend of his mom 
and that um like i'm really glad that it it wasn't um a blood relation between them i think it would have i think it really would have damaged cameron's character growth if if simon had been his father um what i don't know what do you guys think on that one you're right and i think it also would have felt like a little bit of a cop-out writing if simon would have actually been his father so then it's like well then what was even the point of cameron meeting tova and ethan aside from you know helping him get over a majority of his mess yeah yeah i don't know i i'm glad it worked out the way that it did and that he had this like identity crisis and uh, like Jordy said, he's at this crossroads of, well, do I revert to my old habits or do I, you know, push through and make the better decision, even though I'm in a lot of pain and I'm embarrassed, but this is just the right thing to do. So I, yeah, I appreciated that he came back around and was like, all right, I'm sorry, Tova, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that, that he went to Tova first when he went back to like apologize to Tova first. I I thought that was really sweet. Um yeah, I I just thought that was a really sweet and really really good moment for them, especially because at that point Tova knew who he was. And so when he showed up, it was just like, "Oh my goodness, my grandson is here." Um yeah. I think also too, um I really loved that Simon Brinks wasn't this just like this like robot i all i care about is money kind of character like he still really felt like he had a heart he loved um cameron's mother um and cared so deeply and it didn't seem like he was like i don't know like a like a i don't know what to, how to call it but i love that he was just a real person and wasn't just a machine working in the industry you know and I think that also was a kind of a push like I started from rough beginnings which he did and I got to where I'm at because I worked hard and I think that was kind of a kind of like how Avery and Ethan and Tova pushed him to grow I think that also pushed him at the end of the yeah. story yeah Especially with that, like you said, that that connection between Simon and, and his mom where both of them, like, came from the same apartment building. Like, he compared it, like, to the wrong side of the tracks, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and how the difference between Simon and his success and his mom and her drug addiction and her um, absolute, like, breakdown. Um, I think that also... It was, I, I think it was almost kind of like um, Avery and Cameron's character uh, foiling each other at the beginning where, where you really got to see the difference between perspectives and how people like take control of their own life, even if they're both dealt really, really crappy hands. So I, I liked how they kind of mirrored that relationship. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> So one of the main things, and we've kind of been talking about this theme like throughout, but um, one of the main themes that we see played out in the book is this cycle of captivity and then freedom. 
and all of the narrated characters uh really go through this captivity freedom um theme so with marcellus he's in captivity quite literally he's in the aquarium uh behind glass um and he has been since his run-in with the wolf eels that injured him and then tova is held captive by her unresolved grief and her growing fear of losing her independence and becoming a burden on somebody and then finally cameron is held captive by his unresolved anger towards his mother and his questions about his father and how his life might have been different if his father had been in his life so how do each of the characters Mar marcellus tova and cameron um help each other find freedom from the captivity that they're experiencing i i think they help each other by helping provide what each character has always been searching for and I think that comes in a few different things for each of them but just you know connection and kindness and answers and clarity you know Marcellus was lonely and bored um, in captivity and Tova provided him friendship and kindness um, and I think also like a mission, right? He was he was so bored in captivity and Tova also gave him something to do and like, um, you know, things to solve and ways to help her. And so I think that was really um, important to him. And then obviously in the end, she also provided him the ultimate freedom that he was looking for by um, releasing him and letting him kind of end his life um, at home. And you know, I think for Tova, she got friendship and healing from Marcellus and Cameron, um, and ultimately, right, a connection to her son and some additional answers, um, knowing that he was seeing somebody and that it wasn't a suicide and that it was an accident. Um, and I think that gave her the closure that she really needed to move forward in life and not be stuck in her grief or her lack of grief and processing. Um, and Cameron also got answers, um, not the ones that he was looking for, um, but he got answers to who his father was, and he got love and kindness and accountability and support from Tova and Avery and Ethan. And so, you know, I don't feel like any of the characters necessarily got the thing they totally were set out to find, um, but they each found what they needed by the end of the book through the other characters. Yeah, for sure. And I really, I really appreciated that they didn't find exactly what they wanted, because I feel like we're so, like, um, we're so inundated in media these days with, like, everything working out that Disney, that Disney finish of, and everybody lived happily ever after, you know, like, um, like, they got answers, they got closure, it wasn't what they wanted, it wasn't what they, it wasn't necessarily, like you said, what the, the outcome they were looking for, but it was what they needed. Yeah. And that it's so refreshing, honestly, to see that because um just I feel like so many stories finish with a, and they all lived happily ever ever after the end. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. You did a great job explaining it, Jordy. And I agree with you, Brianna. I think that mm -hmm. it was so refreshing to have a story where just because it wasn't what you wanted, that doesn't mean that you didn't get what you needed. And that's really realistic. Um, 
it wouldn't have been a fun story, I think, or it wouldn't have been as well written of a story if it was like, oh, and Simon Brinks was his dad, and then everything worked out, and now he's so rich and all these things. Like, I don't think it would have been as nice of a story. Yeah. Um. Also, like, tell me why. I so when I when I saw the title Remarkably Bright Creatures and then I realized that there was an octopus, I totally thought that the title of the book was talking about Marcellus. And then at the very end, right before Marcellus like he's been released by Tova and he says for something along the lines of for how dull and uncreative um humans can be sometimes they'll surprise you and they really can be remarkably bright creatures and it just like i don't tell me why that made me tear up like honestly oh my gosh it got me i'm with you that got me yes agreed (laughs) like i'm like why am i so emotional bottom saying humans are smart (laughs) yes i just loved that so much because i think a lot of our life can feel mundane but also like there are so many little moments that are so wonderful and i think that society especially like being in the age of technology that we're in where everyone is so connected and expectations are so high all around and like you want to have this picture perfect like feed and you want to do all these amazing things like there is still so much joy and just like those little mundane sweet moments and connections with your people and i just loved that Marcellus summed it up so well. Yeah. Like, uh, it, I love it when, when authors use, like, the title of the book as, like, some poignant, like, thing that they're trying to get across. And I, I think Shelby did a fantastic job with that one. Um, so I, I really loved that. Um, okay, now into, like, the two big fun questions that I like to do at the end of uh, books like this. What did you enjoy most about the book? Okay. I, okay. I think a cop-out answer is Marcellus, but (laughs) I really, really enjoyed Marcellus. Um, But besides the obvious answer, I just really loved the realism and kind of what we were talking about or what you were talking about Jordy with the last question I just loved that the characters got what they needed and that isn't always what you want but that's okay and they're better off and like look at where they're at now I just really loved how it ended it wasn't this like crazy ending like nothing like a Sarah J Mass book which is always a blast (laughs) (laughs) but it was kind of nice to just be like and it was simple and they're happy and it's just they're living life and it's laid back and it's casual and it was just sweet. I think that like you were saying, Brian, I think Shelby did a really remarkable job. Oh, remarkable. Oh, here it is. <laughs> a remarkable <laughs> job um, with the writing and having perspectives of different people that you could, I feel like, there was someone for everyone to relate to. I think that's actually my favorite part is there was something or someone for everyone who would read this book could relate to in some way, like 
no, I'm not an octopus, but there's many <laughs> aspects of Marcellus that are relatable for many people, you know? So I think that yeah, she did a really great job with that. Angela, when you said that, all I could think of was the lady was the, the lady octopus. was the octopus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the twist. <laughs> Jordy, what was your favorite? Um, I agree with Angela. My favorite was just like that it was a happy ending. It wasn't like picture perfect. Nobody got exactly what they wanted from what we knew in the beginning of the book, but they got what they needed and everybody wrapped up in like a nice happy ending um which I'm a total sucker for and I really enjoyed that part um and I just liked seeing the story come together and everybody having a happy future together yeah for sure I really enjoyed the little scene at at Thanksgiving where like Tova Tova was wrapping up by being like like she was kind of reminiscing and and watching and watching how life had changed um, since selling her house and since deciding to stay and like the last thing she thinks about is she's like well enough of that I have like Avery's coming over for pie so we need to get ready for that and like she just kind of like kept on in her little Tova way and I, I really enjoyed that little glimpse into their happy future together yeah right like you didn't lose who Tova was because of the growth like it was still who she was Annika, what what was your what did you enjoy most about the book? I'm gonna go with the stereotypical cop out answer, as Angela would call it. <laughs> uh, it would be Marcellus's commentary. I mean, you know, he's oh he's witty, he's playful, he has for an octopus wonderful insight. And he loves snacks, and he will do anything to get them. I mean, yes. do I need to say any more? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> It's so true. Those sea cucumbers, man. Those poor sea cucumbers. <laughs> Those were the real victims of the book. <laughs> sea cucumbers. Cameron's got so nothing true. on the sea cucumbers. <laughs> they just keep getting devoured by Marcellus. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then the last question. What do you think, if anything, could have been changed to make the story just that little bit better is there anything okay so when I first wrote my answer you know we hadn't recorded obviously and now, now that we've been talking about it I've kind of been like mm, okay you know what actually I don't really think there is anything <sighs> because I you know don't love the book I think maybe a little bit better or at least more believable character interaction and development would have been nice. So I think there were a lot of interactions that were just intentionally thrown into the book to get the plot going. You know, for example, when Cameron is at the airport, this guy conveniently is like, oh, well, I have a friend who's selling a van. Like, oh, wow, that's nice. I mean, I work at an airport. That doesn't happen. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> just, I feel like there's just a lot of stuff that was just thrown in to get the plot going so that, you know, all these characters have this closure. And I don't know. I think I also would have liked just a little bit more screen time with Marcellus and hearing Amen. more stories from Amen. him. Because truth is. be told, he was the only character I genuinely liked listening to. Because he wasn't annoying. And he didn't infuriate me. <laughs> some some 
uh hot hot topics for monica there <laughs> yeah i like i know i know it's a it's an opinion most people would disagree with because you know i'm coming from this super fantasy background and (laughs) sci-fi and everything i i like more oomph in my books but yeah it was missing a sarah j mass ending Uh, true (laughs) we would never end if it was a sarah j mass ending she just ends on cliffhangers all the time (laughs) the real plot twist would be avery's son is the actual grandson just kidding. Oh, that would yeah, no, I don't oh, know. Oh wait, that. no, thank you. <laughs> it <laughs> wouldn't have worked <laughs> out. <laughs> Although, to be honest, I mean, yeah, we know Avery is like the same age as as uh as Cameron. But like, tell me why at the very beginning of the book I didn't realize how uh what the age gap would have been, and I was just like, Oh my goodness, Avery, Avery was with Eric. Like, no. <laughs> no, that she wasn't even born yet. <laughs> So, like, tell me why at the beginning I thought that exact plot twist was going to happen, but no. Yeah. You know what? No shame, because in my head I was like, oh, Cameron has no recollection of his childhood. He's Eric! You know, like, just... <laughs> He's Eric. Thing, right? like... my mind. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Honestly, this is, I... This is what fantasy does to people. 100 <laughs> I think it would have been nice if they would have been able to at least recover Eric's remains. I think, yeah. I think I would have liked to see that little bit of closure as well. Just for Tova. I mean, she knew he was dead. But I think I would have liked to see a recovery of remains or or something beyond what we got, which was like a headstone, which wasn't even correct. Marcellus is Eric. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You're going to confuse people. <laughs> My mind is blown. That's the twist, guys. <laughs> Go That's read the, the book. Marcellus Eric is, is the octopus. <laughs> Wait, I thought Tova was the octopus. <laughs> no, 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 no. You were wrong. Obviously, no, it's no. clearly Marcellus. <laughs> clearly, Mar- Marcellus is the octopus, Angela. That's. Yeah. Get it together. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Jordy, what do you think? Do you think anything could have been changed or anything? Do you think anything could have been changed or added to where you think it would have made the story just that much better? No, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I obviously agree that I could have used more Marcellus time. Everybody could have used more Marcellus time. He was just so charming and um, entertaining, but Overall, I just really, really enjoyed the book as is. Yeah, I think I think I'm in the same boat. Like, obviously, give me more Marcellus. Uh, yeah, Marcellus is amazing, um, and he's just witty, and I loved his narrator. So I am all for more more Marcellus time. But, um, yeah, beyond like maybe seeing a new headstone for Eric that was corrected, um. I think, but even Tova, Tova didn't even want it in the first place, so I I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure if anything could have been added or changed to to make it better. I I really enjoyed the story as it was. Um, so yeah, so that is remarkably bright creatures, everyone. <laughs>